Thank you for joining me in this week's Bible study, and I titled this, Absalom's Revenge and Ego. What does the Bible say about Absalom's hair? It's funny how they make a big story out of that in the Bible, but there is something to do with his pride. If we take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25 through 27, here's what it says. Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was so heavy when he weighed it out, it became five pounds. He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. The story of Absalom's rebellion against his father, King David, is told in the second book of Samuel, chapters 14 through chapter 18. The handsome Absalom is distinguished by his extraordinary abundant hair, which is thought to symbolize his pride, as we read in 2 Samuel 14, verse 26. On YouTube, they had a film clip of a woman weighing her hair, and she had long hair, four feet long. And when they weighed it, in several ways, it weighed three quarters of a pound. Now, can you imagine how much hair Absalom must have had to weigh five pounds? Then there was the battle between Absalom and David's men. In 2 Samuel 18:9, it says this, During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. It looks like he got himself in a little bit of trouble. Absalom was actually the third son of King David. And the bulk of Absalom's story is told in 2 Samuel chapter 13 through chapter 19. He had a strong influence on his father's reign. Instead of imitating his father's strengths, Absalom followed his pride and greed and tried to really seize his father's throne. The first recorded event defines Absalom's life, also involves his sister Tamar and half-brother Amnon. Tamar was beautiful, and Amnon really lusted after her. When Tamar rebuffed Amnon's advances, he arranged through trickery to have her come to his house where he sexually assaulted her. After the sexual assault, Ammon put Tamar out of his house in disgrace. When Absalom heard about what happened, he took his sister in to live with him. For the next two years, though, Absalom nursed a hatred of his half-brother. Then using some subterfuge of his own, Absalom invited Amnon to his house for a party. And during the festivities, in the presence of David's other sons, Absalom had his servants kill Amnon in cold blood. Out of fear of his father, Absalom ran away to Geshur, where he stayed there for three years. And during that time, Scripture says that David longed to go out to Absalom. But we're never told that he actually did anything to reconcile the relationship. David's general, Joab, was ultimately responsible for bringing Absalom back to Jerusalem. However, even then, Absalom was not permitted to enter David's presence. But 
had to live in a house of his own. Now that's interesting. He wanted him back, but he didn't want to see him. I don't understand King David in this matter. He lived this way, presumably never contacting or being contacted by his father for two years. Finally, once again by Joab's intercession, the two men get back together and there's a small measure of reconciliation. Unfortunately, this peace did not last. Possibly resenting his father's hesitancy to bring him home, Absalom began to stealthily undermine David's rule. He was plotting. He set himself up as a judge in Jerusalem and gave out promises of what he would do if he were king. After four years of this, he asked to go to Hebron, where he had secretly arranged to have himself proclaimed as the king. The conspiracy strengthened and the numbers of Absalom's followers grew steadily, such that David began to fear for his own life. So what did David do? He gathered his servants and fled Jerusalem. However, David left behind some of his concubines and a few informers as well, including Zadok and Abathar, the priest and his advisor, Hushai. Upon entering Jerusalem as king, Absalom sought to solidify his position, first by taking over David's house and sleeping with his concubines, considered an unforgivable act. Then he laid plans to immediately pursue and attack David's forces, but the idea was abandoned after listening to the advice of Hushai. This delay actually allowed David to muster what troops he had and mount a counterattack to retake the kingdom. David himself did not take part in the counterattack, having been persuaded by his generals to remain behind. He did give explicit instructions to the generals to deal gently with Absalom in spite of his treason. Scripture makes the point that all the troops heard David's orders and concerning Absalom. However, the orders were disobeyed. As Absalom was riding under some trees, his long hair became entangled in the branches and he was unhorsed. Joab found Absalom suspended in midair and killed him there. Consequently, the rebellion was quelled and David's return to Jerusalem as king. David mourned deeply over his son so much that it affected the morale of the entire army. David was in deep distress, and David realizing probably his own sins that he had committed and felt like he was probably being punished. His grief was so great that their victory seemed hollow to them, and they returned to the capital in shame rather than in triumph. It was not until he was rebuked by Joab that David was restored to a measure of kingly behavior. Now, much has been said about David's neglect of Absalom in this sad incident. I really think it's possible that the parental responsibility is a lesson we can take from this episode. But scripture does not expressly teach it here. We do know that David did nothing about Amnon's rape of Tamar, although he knew about it. If David had avenged Tamar, would Absalom have taken it upon himself to carry out justice? And what was the impact of Absalom's soul of carrying hatred for Amnon for so long? We don't know the answers to those questions, but it seems that David's inaction had a deleterious effect in Absalom's life. What we can say with certainty, however, is that 
Pride goes before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Absalom's self-promotion led to nothing. Also, God is sovereign. God foiled Absalom's plan to overthrow his father's kingdom. Take a look at 2 Samuel 17, verse 14. All events are settled in eternity, and nothing, not even the Absalons of the world, can thwart the power of God to do as he pleases in history. Look what happened when he carried his anger for so long and then plotted against his half-brother. And look what happened when David chose not to discipline him or deal with the situation. We can't ignore issues. We have to face the problems, and we have to be able to confess them and deal with them and change our life. You saw in this story that Absalom and David both had kind of a cluttered life, things that had not been straightened out or cleared up. I like this quote. It says, if a cluttered desk is a sign of cluttered mind, what does an empty desk indicate? Lou Holtz used to be the Notre Dame's football coach had a standard answer when asked about job security. He said this, I have a lifetime contract. That means I can't be fired during the third quarter if we're ahead and moving the ball. (laughs) Think about that. We've got to keep moving the ball forward. We have got to keep going forward with what Christ has for us. We can learn from this biblical story, especially about Absalom. Don't let your ego get in the way. Think of it as an acronym. E-G-O, meaning edge God out. And I think that's what happened here with Absalom. You have a blessed day.